And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. We're in a series called The End Days, Living in the, in the Last Days. Last week, we, we, we looked at Matthew chapter 24. This morning, we're looking at Matthew chapter 25. And I want to talk to you about doing business until Jesus comes. In other words, what are we to do in these days of COVID-19? What are we to do in these days of unrest? What are we to do in these days where we're looking at possible recession and inflation? What are we to do? I submit to you that we are to occupy until Jesus comes back. We're to do business until he returns. Now, Peter prophesied from Joel, he prophesied on the day of Pentecost, he said, in the last days, God is going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see vision, and your old men shall dream dreams. Now, I'm just old enough to have some dreams, and I dream of the Holy Ghost being poured out upon the United States of America. I dream of a Holy Ghost revival of holiness of heart and holiness of mind and holiness of lifestyle. I dream of the Spirit of God being poured out not just in one location, but in church after church after church and in business after business after business. I dream of people walking in the fear of God because the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring to all generations. I dream of men loving their wives and wives loving their husbands. I dream of of, of, of God pouring out a spirit upon white people and black people and Hispanic people and Asian people and people from the island nations and people from every tongue and tribe. I dream of a society and a culture where we can all get along. See, everybody needs five things. Everybody needs love. Everybody needs acceptance. Everybody needs forgiveness. Everybody needs respect. And everybody needs a hand up, not necessarily a handout. Sometimes we need a handout, but everybody needs a hand up. And you know what? Even an old dog knows when you love him and respect him. And we need to love one another. And we need to respect one another. And we need to honor one another. And you see, I find the only thing that can change my heart. Man, before I knew the Lord, I was, I was, I was a hateful person. I didn't like people different from me. But I'm going to tell you, something will happen to you when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when he forgives you of your sins and you get filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says the Holy Ghost, Romans chapter 5, will shed the love of God abroad in your heart. The Holy Spirit will start changing you from the inside out. Hallelujah. We used to sing, makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. It's good enough for me. Give me that. Oh. Give me that. Give me that. Old time religion. It's good enough for me. It was good for Paul and Silas. It was good for Paul and Silas. It was good for Paul and Silas. It's Amen. 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 Matthew chapter 25, verse 13. Jesus says, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man 
is coming. You don't know the day or the hour. Last week we talked about the fact in 1985 a man wrote a book called 88 Reasons Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. And he said Jesus is coming back in September of 1988. He sold 300,000 copies of his book. He made a lot of money. Well, September of 88 came and went and he wrote a second book, said Jesus is coming back in 1989. He sold 30,000 copies of that book. Well, Jesus didn't come back in 1988 or 89 or 2000 with Y2K. And there are people today trying to tell us when Jesus is coming back. I'm telling you, neither the angels in heaven, nobody knows when Jesus is coming back except the Father. And I submit to you, all the prophecies have been fulfilled. In 1948, Israel became a nation. In 1967, Israel took full possession of the city of Jerusalem. I don't know any prophecy that needs to be fulfilled other than this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world and then the end shall come. We got to do a better job of preaching the kingdom of God, of preaching the gospel right here in Tallahassee and in Leon County and around the world. See, I just believe that God wants more people to be in heaven. He wants us to plunder hell and populate heaven. God wants more people to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants more people to spend eternity in heaven. He doesn't want anybody to lose out on spending eternity with him. Verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven. Now Jesus is telling a parable here, a story. And I want to set the context because it's really important that you understand this. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is like. When Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven is like, he says, I want you to know what God is like. I want you to know the way God thinks, okay? How many think it's important to know how God thinks? It is important. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is like, now watch this, a man traveling to a far country. A businessman in this context traveling to a far country. Do you know who Jesus is talking about here? He's talking about himself. See, Jesus spent three years preaching the gospel, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, casting out devils. He was crucified. He was in the grave for three days. He rose again on the third day. For 40 days, he was with the disciples. And then from the Mount of Olives, he ascended back in the clouds to heaven. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, two angels appear and they said, Oh man, why are you standing here watching the clouds where Jesus has just ascended? He's coming back like manner. He's coming back in a cloud. He's coming back. That's the reason I believe that we have such beautiful skyscapes. That's the reason you'll see such beautiful formations in the clouds because God created the heaven and the earth. And God says, my son is coming back one day. He's riding a white horse. He's going to have the saints with him. He's coming back in victory. Can you say hallelujah? But first he had to go away. And he says, this man traveled to a far country. And he called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Well, who are the servants in this parable? The servants are you and me. The servants is everybody who loves our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody who looks forward to his return. Everybody who wants to serve his purposes in our generation. He called his servants to them. Now watch this. And he delivered his goods to them. He delivered his goods to them. Some of you are saying, well, gee, I don't know that the Lord's given me anything. Let me tell you what God has given you. Jesus has given you his Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send another comforter. 
He says, he's called the paraclete. He's going to come along beside you. He's going to do in, 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 what, I, what I would do for you, he's going to do in my stead. Because I can only be one place at one time on this earth. But he can be every place at all the time. He's omnipresent. He's with us today. And he's in China today. He's with us today. And he's in Africa today. He's with us today. And he's at the North and the South Poles today. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He's talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. So number one, he's given us the Holy Spirit. Number two, he's given us his word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will never pass away. David said, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Number one, he's given you the Holy Spirit. Number two, he's given you his word. Number three, he's given you an anointing. John says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Everybody's got an anointing. That doesn't mean it's in manifestation. But if you'll spend time with the Lord, if you'll spend time in God's word, if you'll spend time in prayer, if you'll press in, especially during difficult times, and say, I God, God, I believe you, even though I don't understand what's going on, God, I count you faithful, even though, even though it's difficult right now, even though I got a headache because of everything that's going on, if you'll count God faithful, dear ones, I'm telling you, you're, you're relying on that anointing, and you'll be growing in ways that you can't even see. Not only that, but he's given you certain abilities. He's given you certain aptitudes. Everybody doesn't have the same aptitude. Some people have got bigger aptitudes than others. In other words, some have got more skills and more talents and more natural ability than others. But he's given all of us ability. And here's the question. What are you doing with what God's given you? Are you using what he's given you? See, I, I was raised as a kid in the 1960s growing up, we heard, I bet I heard a hundred sermons on Jesus is coming again and upon the rapture. And I told you last week, I used to get so afraid. Man, I'd, I'd hear preaching on the rapture and then I'd go off with mom and dad and get separated from them. And I was just sure that they had gone on the rapture and I'd been left. Boy, when I got home from school every day and mom was working, I got on the phone and called her, hey mom, I just wanted to hear her voice to make sure she wasn't taken in the rapture while I was at school. I was never told, I, I guess I had the idea that the world was going to get worse and worse and well, one day Jesus is going to come back in the rapture and get us out of this stuff and there's not much we can do. But that's not what Jesus teaches here in Matthew 25. He's teaching that you and I are to use what we've been given and we're to occupy until he comes. We're to do business until he comes. We're to propagate the kingdom of God. We're to do everything we can to advance God's church and God's kingdom. Okay, are you with me? Everybody with me? He gave, gave good, goods to them. Verse 15, and to one he gave five talents. Well, some translations say to one he gave five bags of silver. A talent is roughly, not exactly, but roughly $1,000 in our economy, okay? To one he gave $5,000. Okay, so how would you like somebody to come say, I'm going away. I'm going to give you $5,000. Now, why did he do that? The Bible says to another he gave two $2,000 to each according to his own ability. You see, Jesus knew what the abilities were of his disciples. He knew what Peter's abilities were. He knew what his capacity was to be a steward. He knew what Andrew's abilities were. He knew what Matthew's abilities were. He knew what, what uh, 
Um, all those other disciples, he knew their abilities. And dear ones, we've got different abilities. Some of you are great stewards. Some of you are like Joseph. I mean, Joseph had the ability to steward the wealth of Egypt that got them through the famine. Some of you are just like that. Some of you may not quite have those abilities. Well, dear ones, the only way you know what a person's ability is is by hanging out with them, spending time with them. Today's Father's Day. Every boy and girl needs a mama and a daddy who will invest time in them. In fact, love for many people is spelled T-I-M-E. My daddy was a busy, my father was a busy businessman. Used to work at Stafford's Jewelers in town and then he was selling life insurance and then he became a partner in a restaurant all at the same time. And he was coming and going and coming and going. Then he became an evangelist and began traveling. He was busy, but he always made time. He sacrificed to make time for my sister and me. I remember him having to call people and say, I can't go to this meeting. My daughter's got a piano recital. I can't do this. She's got a production going on at the school. There were, he, he, he did, he, sometimes he was late, but he always showed up at my ball games. And just before it was my turn to bat, He'd call me over. He's sitting in the bleachers with the other parents. He'd call me over. He'd say, son, bow your head real quick. He'd say, in Jesus' name, Lord, let him hit a home run. Amen. (laughs) And guess what? Sometimes I did. Hallelujah. See, everybody needs a father, needs a mother that's going to invest in them, that's going to believe in them. Jesus had spent time with the disciples. That's how he knew what their abilities were. And he knows, he knows what your abilities are. Now, some of you, you're not spending enough time with him. I'm just saying. Then he would receive the five talents, went and traded with them, and made another five talents. He that got the $5,000 Man, he went and traded and made another 5000 I think he made more than 5000 I think the truth is this, he made more so he could pay the taxes and pay his tithes and still have 5000 left over. Okay? Now, here's what we learn from this. God is into partnership. God wants to partner with you. Huh. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God wants to partner with you. And see, God doesn't need you and me. I often have scratched my head and thought, God, why in the world did you call me to the ministry? Why in the world do you call anybody? God doesn't need people. But he chose to create Adam and Eve in his image, in his likeness. And he said to Adam, he said, Adam, I want you to tend the garden. Now, I guarantee you there there were angels that God could have put in charge of the Garden of Eden and they wouldn't have messed things up. But he chose to use people. When God created this earth, God chose, he says, I'm going to use people to do my will on this earth. I'm going to use people to preach the gospel. See, the angels could preach the gospel. In fact, I think they'd do a better job. But it's not until we get into Revelation chapter, I think it's back in chapter 6 or 7, where the angels actually preach this everlasting gospel during the last half of the tribulation. That's the only time they preach it. Other than that, it's up to you and me to share our faith. It's up to you and me 
to be serving God in our generation. God has chosen to partner with us. He told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. I heard a cute story about a, a lady who served in the nursery at a church and this lady had a great sense of humor and she loved to pray and one day she was praying. She said, God, would you give me a husband? And she heard that nudge of the Holy Spirit as God said, yes, I will. And then she says, well, Lord, would you help me in childbirth? And again, she heard that nudge of the Holy Spirit saying, sure, I'll help you. And then she said, well, God, will you help me to change the diapers? And she heard the Holy Spirit say, no, I am the Lord, I change not. <laughs> Years ago, I visited Jack Hafer's church on, out in California. And they had, it's a huge church, and they had a lot of nurseries. But on every wall in the nurseries, they had this verse of Scripture. It says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. <laughs> the point of the matter is that God is into partnership. He wants to partner with you. You say, I don't have anything to give. Yes, you do. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got the Word of God. You've got an anointing. You've got gifts and talents. You've got abilities. You've got skills that nobody else has. You may not be a rocket scientist, but I guarantee you, you can do some things with your hands that other people can't do. You can do some other things and working with some of you got people skills that are just off the charts. We've all got different skills, different talents, different abilities. He who had received the five talents, verse 16, went and traded with them and made another five talents. I don't know how he, how, how, how he made more than $5,000 because we do know that he paid his, his tithes and his taxes, right? Amen? And then he, he presented them, the other 5,000 to his master. I don't know how he did it. Maybe, maybe he went out and bought a herd of sheep. And at shearing time, he took them to the shearer and they took the wool. They got all the wool off the sheep. And he told them, now start growing more. And he took the, the wool to the weaver, and the weaver made some beautiful cloth out of it. And then he took the cloth to someone that dyed cloth, and they, they, they put, made it into beautiful colored cloth. And then he took it to the marketplace, and he sold it. And maybe he did it, maybe he did it year after year after year, and he kept, he was a good steward, and he lived below his means, and he started saving what he had. And pretty soon he had doubled what he had. Look at verse 17. Likewise, he who had received two, the $2,000, gained 2,000 more. I'm sure that's after taxes and tithes, okay? I don't know what he did. Maybe, maybe he invested in the commodities market. Maybe he bought some futures. Maybe he just went out and got some barley and rice and, and beans and took it to the farmer's market and sold it at an increase and then he did it again and again and again and again and he doubled his $2,000. Verse 18, but he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Dear ones, whatever you do, don't hide your talent. Whatever you do, don't let the devil tell you that, that you're no good and that you can't do anything. The devil's a liar and the truth is not in him. I'm telling you, I don't care if you're 20 years old or if you're 50 years old or if you're 70 years old or if you're 90 years old, you've got talents, you've got skills, you've got abilities. Do not hide your talents. Your best days are not behind you, they're in front of you. Verse 19, after a long time, everybody say a long time. 
After a long time. Everybody say it again, long time. When is Jesus coming back? I don't know. Peter thought he was coming back in his day. Paul thought he was coming back in his day. The early Christians thought he was coming back in their day. Somebody thought he was coming back in 1988. And then 1989. And then in 2000 with Y2K. If anybody says the Lord's coming back on this date, don't you believe them? We don't know the day or the hour. But I tell you, he is coming back. There was a, a long time had elapsed here. And the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. I'm telling you, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to settle accounts. Some of you, you, the devil has lied to you and said there's no justice in this world. I'm going to tell you, we serve a God who is the judge and there is justice in this earth. And it may seem that God's hands of judgments moves slowly, but I'm telling you, it moves ever surely. He is coming back. And he settled accounts with them. There's going to be a settling of accounts one day. Revelation 20 tells us there's a a great white throne judgment for sinners and unbelievers. You don't want to be there. We don't want anybody to be there. We don't want anybody to miss making heaven their home. But there is going to be a, a great white throne judgment for sinners and unbelievers. And for believers in Christ... There is the judgment seat of Christ, which is not a punitive judgment seat. It's not a judgment seat to determine whether or not we make it into heaven. It's a judgment seat whereby our works are judged to determine our level of blessing for eternity, to determine our level of, of, of reigning with Christ for all eternity. Let me just say this. We're not saved by our good works. Oh, we're not saved by our good works. There are a lot of people trying to get saved by being good people. You'll not be good enough to get saved. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing we can add to the shed blood of Christ, which is the perfect full payment for all of our sins. We're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. We're saved by grace through faith as a gift of God, not of ourselves. Then Paul says, this is Ephesians chapter 2, about verse 10. He says, but we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. See, I'm involved in good works, not because I'm trying to earn my way to heaven, but because I am on my way to heaven, I'm involved in good works. I've got some good works going on because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, because I have trusted the shed blood of Christ for all my sins, because the Holy Spirit lives in me and God has changed me and made me a new creature in Christ. Now I'm involved in good works, not trying to earn my way to heaven, but I'm involved in good works because I want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sharing the gospel with others because I want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. We working with Convoy of Hope and we gave away you know, think about that. What was that? What's, what's uh, 20 times 1,300? 260,000? We gave away just yesterday over 260, if, I'm, if my math's correct, over 260,000 pounds of food. We didn't do that because we're trying to earn our way to heaven. We did it because we're saved and because God loves people. And the USDA bought all this 
stuff from the farmers so the farmers wouldn't go broke. And then they turned around and gave it to Convoy of Hope. And because we partner with Convoy of Hope, they contacted us and said, would you, would you like to have some of this? Now we knew when they asked the question, we knew that we didn't have the freezer space for all that. But by faith, we said, yes, 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 yes. And Brother Zach called Second Harvest of the Big Ben. And it took a little, little dealing and working things out, but they finally agreed, yes, we will store that. You can bring the trucks right here. The trucks pulled up Friday. We loaded all that product because it, it had a timeline. That stuff could spoil so quickly. We had over five pounds of beef or, or pork or chicken, and we had, we had vegetables, and we had cheese and had milk and all kinds of good stuff. And 48 of you came out and you gave stuff out. And do you know that the assistant school superintendent of Leon County she was there, along with, with, with some of the, the leadership of Godby High School. They said, we've never seen a local church get behind a project like this. All of, our, all of our people were wearing evangel shirts. Hallelujah. I thank God for you. We're not doing that trying to get saved. We're doing it because we're, we're doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because there's hope in the name of Jesus. There's salvation in the name of Jesus. There's wholeness in the name of Jesus. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance in the name of Jesus. There's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved but the name that's above every name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's Father's Day. Let me, first, first Father's Day that I've ever had without my earthly father. On April the 20th of this year, dad was in our home under hospice care. We had a hospital bed for him. People were coming in to check on him. Kathy had gotten up early Monday morning the 20th about 4 o'clock and dad was still breathing and she got up about 5.30 and he was no longer breathing she woke me up and I knew immediately what had happened and we walked in there and man I put my finger on his took his pulse and on his neck and his wrist and got down to try to see if I could hear him breathing he was gone to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I sat on that hospital bed and I couldn't cry. I wanted to cry. I wanted to weep, but I just felt in shock. I felt numb. And I began thinking to myself, you know, we have guardian angels. And I believe that sometime between 4 a.m. and 5.30 a.m. on the morning of Monday, April 20th. The angels of God accompanied my dad's spirit, not his body, his body was still there. One day these bodies will be resurrected. But the angels of God accompanied his spirit to heaven. And I believe dad began to look at those streets of gold and walk down those streets of gold and look at those walls of jasper and I believe he cast his crown down at the feet of Jesus. And I think at that point in time, he stood before the judgment seat of Christ. And I believe he heard these words, well done, thou good and thou faithful servant. Enter into the joy 
of the Lord. See, our lives on this earth are on the job training for reigning for eternity. And the devil wants to get you in such a tizzy. The devil wants to get you so wrapped up in your problems and your challenges and your heartache. The devil wants to kill, steal, and plunder and destroy in your life to the point that we don't even think, Lord, how can I serve your purposes? God, how can I occupy till you come? I guarantee you, saints, there's always somebody that's in worse shape than you are. There's always somebody who's having it more difficult than you. There's always somebody that you can call and encourage. There's always somebody that you can slip some money to. There's always somebody that you can give a listening ear to. There's always somebody that you can bless. And I learned a long time ago that when I'm having a hard time, I just need to find somebody and invest myself in them because then my problems don't look nearly as big. My heartache's not nearly as big. Verse 24, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid and I hid your talent in the ground. The devil wants you to be afraid. He wants you to be afraid to use what God's given you, to use the gifts, the talents, the abilities. He wants you to be afraid to stand on God's word and faith. He wants you to be afraid to trust the promptings of the Holy Spirit he wants to say, oh, that's not God speaking to you. That's just yourself. The devil's a liar. This guy says, I was afraid. So I hid what you gave me in the ground. What am I saying? I'm saying we've got to live our lives out of the goodness of God and out of the fear of things not working out. We've got to learn to live our lives out of the faithfulness of God. I want to live my life advancing what God loves, and God loves the local church. I want to live my life advancing the kingdom of God. There's a, that's my signal to, to wind down here. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Second Timothy chapter one, let me just close with this thought. Second Timothy chapter one, verse nine says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. Dear ones, God's got a purpose for you. And you don't have the same purpose and calling that I do, and we don't have the same purpose and calling. God's not calling everybody to go to North Georgia and plant a church. He's called some of you to be business people and educators and, and workers in government. He's, he's, he's given you a purpose. Maybe it's to work in a school cafeteria. Maybe it's to be in an office. Maybe it's to teach. I don't know what he's called you to. But dear ones, he saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose. Now, now watch this. And grace. Everybody say grace. Grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Let me just announce to you, God has saved you and God has called you and God has graced you. What are you going to do with it? God has saved you. God has called you and God has graced you. We want to serve God's purposes.
in our generation. What do we do until Jesus comes back? We occupy. We do business. We find out his will and we do it with all our heart. Hallelujah. We serve his purposes in our generation. I want everybody to stand. It's Father's Day. I know we're trying to socially distance. We're trying to do everything we're supposed to do. And I'm not supposed to have altar calls, but dear ones, it's Father's Day. I want to ask every man that will, every man that will, I want you to slip out from where you're standing and I want you to come down here and I want you to stand. You know, go ahead and make sure you get the wingspan between you and the next guy. Because we just want to consecrate our lives to the Lord this morning to serve his purposes, to serve his generation. That's it. Come on. All the men. All the men. All the men. Just give, you, give, you, give some wingspan on both sides of you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, guys, let's just consecrate ourselves to the Lord right now. Come on. Let's give ourselves to the Lord anew and afresh. Jesus, I dedicate myself to you. I give myself to you anew and afresh. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Forgive me of sin. Forgive me of sin, but I give myself to you anew and afresh. Come fill me, Holy Ghost. Come fill me from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. Come fill me, Holy Ghost. Come fill me, Lord. I'm desperate for you. I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you. I want more of you, Jesus. And God, I want to occupy till you come back. Oh, Jesus, I don't want to just sit and talk about how bad things are. But Jesus, I want to serve your purposes. And God, I want to live my life out of your goodness and out of your faithfulness. Lord, I don't want to hide my talents. I don't want to hide my gifts. I don't want to hide that which you've entrusted to me. But Lord, when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, press in, guys. Come on, press in. Press in. Come on, press in. Press in. Press in. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we want to serve your purposes. Oh, Jesus, we want to serve your purposes. Oh, Jesus, use us. Oh, Jesus, use us. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, press in, guys. Press in. Press in. Press in. Oh, shana malayidi o komana shana manasiyam. Oh, shana malayana malayidi o komana shidi o komana siyam. Oh, shana malayidi o komana shidi o komana siyam manasiyam. There's a hunger and a thirst. I need you, 
talked about we talked about how Jesus said this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world and then the end comes when Jesus began his ministry he quoted from Isaiah 61 he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor to heal the brokenhearted to set at liberty those that are captive, to open the eyes of those that are blind, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Dear ones, if you'll study that in Isaiah chapter 61, he's talking about to to, to, to proclaim the year of God's favor, to proclaim the year of jubilee. Every 50 years in Israel, there was a year of jubilee. Ancestral property was returned. Debts were canceled. Slaves were freed. Dear ones, I'm telling you, God wants freedom. And it was God's way of dealing with inflation. Because every 50 years, if you sold a piece of property, you really just leased it for 50 years. And they begin counting. And then it went back to the original owner. And maybe that guy had gotten in trouble financially. But he didn't permanently lose it. And God knew that was better. God hates inflation. But the point is this. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. This is the year of the Lord's favor. I just want to submit to you, when I look back on the year 2020, I don't want to think of it as the year that my dad passed away. I don't want to think about it the year that we had to do a COVID funeral with hardly anybody there. I don't want to think of it as a year that a pandemic came upon the earth. I don't want to think about it as the year that there was social unrest. I don't want to think about it as the year when some people were hating each other. I want to think of this as the year of God's favor. And I speak the favor of God to you. I speak the favor of God over your business. I speak the favor of God over your families. I speak the favor of God upon your coming and your going. I speak the favor of God upon your ministries. I speak the favor of God in the name of Jesus. I speak the favor of God in your neighborhood. I speak the favor of God on your homes. I speak the favor of God on your lives. I speak the favor of God on your plans. I speak the favor of God in the name of Jesus. God help us to serve your purposes in our generation. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope 
where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.